everyone, Diva here with another episode of the Dark Spider Cast, a rather late episode, and I apologize humbly. Uh, honestly, there's no other excuse except that work finally picked up this week, uh, in the heaviest form of sense, to the point where it is a little, it is a little daunting, uh, it is a little overwhelming, um, starting to still, I'm starting to feel stress episodes kind of coming back, so... Um, you know, be uh, patient with me as, you know, I'm trying to now retrofit, retrofit and restructure the way that I do the podcasts. I feel like I'm probably going to have to start recording some parts earlier when it comes to like certain news breaking out and then being able to like re-edit and repurpose the podcast and not really shoot it. Cause you know, the original mentality as far as like recording the podcast is waiting, um, Towards like Wednesday or Thursday, but shoot it all or record it all all in one go, all in one shot. It, now it's starting to feel like I'm going to have to start segment, segmenting every piece of the, the podcast so it can be kind of retailored and re-edited and, and pieced together towards the end of the week and uploaded towards the end of the week. Because now, like I said, there's very little room for vacancy very little room for flexibility as far as being able to record this particular podcast in long format um i'm almost at the point i haven't really i'm still ahead enough to be able to make some way through with this but i'm almost at the point where stuff with work is getting busy as far as the two accounts that i'm a part of as far as content creation as far as ideation and a lot more meetings are starting to populate my day to day that there's actually very little free time and whatever free time I got, you know, I'm being told like, Hey, you, you know, can you work on this? Can you work on that? To the point where not only, like I said, am I going to have to like really reformat and re evaluate how I tackle the podcast, how I'm going to be able to, you know, put it out there. It's still going to come week to week you know, I'm still going to make it, uh, a point and still make it uh, a thing to be able to put it out every week you know like I said it, yeah ironically this is coming after the episode where I was celebrating the podcast I was celebrating like yeah we hit a milestone of hitting six months and being monetized and all that stuff I, I know it's because it's kind of contradictory and almost bipolar that the episode after we are you know super elated over the fact that we've hit these milestones on the podcast the following episode begins on a downer I know I'm I'm kind of self-reflecting on that self-aware about that that um the following podcast is after a very heavy and rather stressful week uh, when it comes to work because uh, a lot is being asked and i'm trying to like kind of wrap my head around things uh, i haven't been really sleeping very very well um i'm almost come to re- realization that i really can't sleep without zequel i really can't i tried to kind of omit zequel from from being able to utilize that to sleep last night and it just didn't work it didn't work i'm only running on about f- uh, five six-ish hours of sleep, but I need my seven, maybe eight at best, uh, you know, to be able to fully function. So apologies if I'm trying to like scrape for some energy here as I try to make my way through this podcast here, but I'm doing the best I can. And because of that, it also might be a little bit on the shorter side because I know that like all, all episodes of season three thus far have been quite lengthy ones. We shall see if we can make this one as lengthy, but honestly, I'm I'm not entirely sure, even though there are a few decent chunk of, of news and things to kind of get through here. But I, all I ask right now, like I said, is just for some patience and also just, just as much patience as I'm having for some of that 
uh, methodology of how to work monetization into the podcast. I don't want to you know, go into too much detail, but let's just say that I'm still kind of waiting on how to activate that, if that makes any kind of sense, and it's been like a full-blown week. Um, in fact, I've waited about the same amount of time to get the community tab on my YouTube channel, and that finally unlocked this morning. And yet, when it comes to sponsorship ads and and you know monetization here on the dark spider cast through anchor fm and all those things still trying to figure that out i'm still trying to figure that out i'm still kind of waiting on my end as far as you know emails and and you know processes of how to get things working so that's still on standby so i'm still kind of waiting on that and 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 you know feeling my ways through that so uh, that's why things are still kind of left on the dark right there. So if you start hearing ads on the Dark Spider cast, there's still that explanation that we recently hit our monetization goal for the Dark Spider cast. But if you don't, even though after I said that I, there would be, that's because I'm still in standby mode. So it, it's a maybe, maybe not. We shall see. I'm still kind of waiting for a particular email. Uh, so that's still pending. But aside from that, like I said, it's been a stressful week. It's been an eventful week as far as work, as far as, you know, more work piling on, as far as ideas, what we can do, what we cannot do. It's been kind of stressful. And because of that, it's taking an effect on my body. Um, like I said, I haven't been able to sleep very well. I haven't been able to go to the bathroom very well. Um, and then on top of that, and I don't, and now I'm being led to believe that it could be uh, a side effect of stress. But I recently developed a slight discomfort slash pain on the left joint of my jaw. Like specifically the joint where the jaw and the rest of my skull actually kind of connect. And actually become cartilage right here to actually be connected to one whole piece. Um, So I, felt, I started feeling that pain a few days ago. I, I want to say almost like a day or two-ish right after we saw the Batman. Me and the girlfriend saw the Batman. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, could this be a cavity? But at the same time, I was still pretty perplexed because none of this pain or discomfort, which on a scale of 1 through 10, I would rate between a 3 or 4, maybe a 4.5. At the beginning, it was kind of 5-ish. But it never really escalated further from that. And that's just it. Like I said, it would stay in that jaw joint where my jaw and my skull met. It would never spread. It would get a little stronger, but it would never spread to any of the teeth. Like none of my teeth felt pain or sensitivity. And then a few days later, I decided to like make an experiment. And I kind of took my the palm of one of my hands and pressed my jaw up towards the top of my teeth, to my top teeth, on the top rows on my left side. And yeah, like all across the board for the top molars and the bottom molars, I would not feel any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort inside of the actual uh, teeth themselves. And I wouldn't even feel anything in my jaw. But when I would actually bite down using the muscles on the sides of my jaw, then I would start to feel that slight discomfort, which again, it's it's like on a scale of one through 10, it would mostly be between a four and five. It wouldn't really be excruciating or uh, crazy enough for me to be like, oh my god, like this is th- this needs an emergency appointment right now. However, I did go on and make an appointment for the dentist, which I went to yesterday, and coming right out of it, no cavities. So we're clear on the cavities, we're clear on the teeth. Once again, I got praised for my teeth, not to toot my own horn, but yes, um, everybody, the nurses, the dentists themselves, saying you got great teeth. But we are, according to him, seeing signs of grinding. 
donkey. <laughs> uh, grinding inside of the teeth, uh, whether it be wear and tear, tear on the actual bike by cuspids, I think they're called. Um, apparently there's like some eroding going on that are signs of grinding where they're like, yeah, these are not cavities. This is not plague that's, that's doing this to this. It's actual, like we're seeing chiselings that are evidence of the other tooth or the other teeth grinding up against those bicuspids. And because of that, it's, you know, evidence that you're grinding, even if you're subconsciously doing it uh, when you're awake or you're doing it in your sleep. And because of that, there he's recommending a night guard. I could either have a custom one made there at the office, which is like three hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm like, bruh, bruh. <laughs> or um, even the nurse said, hey, forty, uh, you know, thirty, forty bucks over the counter at Target or Walmart or whatever. Of course, it's generically made. It may not fit the greatest, but if it does the trick of protecting you from grinding and you start to feel um that discomfort going away then work with that you know that you know they were very adamant about that and i even admitted this during the dentist appointment that for the past couple of days that that pain and discomfort has gone down i would say from that 4.5 maybe 5ish that it was at the beginning it has since gone down to like a flat 3 or 3.5 and, and no more than that so i've been able to work through it i'm able to eat i'm able to bite um, it's just that, like I said, it's further on back, and now I have the clear from the dentist saying that it's not, not nothing, you know, um, cavity related. Like the teeth themselves are fine. Uh, no root canals needed, no uh, scratchings needed, nothing like that. No fillings, nothing. So yeah, that and he did say that one, um, that the grinding is a symptom of is usually correlated, you know it, to stress. So, <laughs> almost every part of my physical ailments, whether it be my constipation, my lack of sleep, my um, not being able to gain weight or feeling kind of faint after just a few exercises at the gym, which has happened um, a little bit recently. Like, some days I have, I, I have some great days, some great workouts, walking into the gym feeling great. And then there's some days where I have to end my workout short because I either feel like I'm losing out of breath or I'm about to throw up. And I'm like, where's the balance? Where, what, what, what is going on? What do I need to do to push my body to the limits, being able to work out and actually feel like I'm making improvement while at the same time not feeling like I'm just going to pass out right there in the middle of the gym and they're going to walk me out on a stretcher. Which I've already seen once happen at the the gym that I go to. It's a Planet Fitness, and there was this one instance where I went, and there was an ambulance at the front door. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> uh, okay, you know, I'm scared that that's gonna be me one of these days, because there has been days where I'm like, and there's a part of me that wants to correlate that with the use of a mask because admittingly back in the day, like we're talking 2012, 2013, where I would go to the gym every day or at least, you know, like four or five days out of the week. Um, this was obviously pre COVID and I'll be able to work out and I'll be able to push myself and feel, feel sore the next morning, but never would I feel the extremity of how badly I would feel so out of breath and woozy and nauseous like I do now. And I, that's because I want to say it's the mask. Now, I don't want to remove it, but at the same time, I'm trying to find a balance to where I can be receiving the right amount of oxygen while at the same time making sure that I'm protected from potential 
people, you know, I still see ever so often some fucker just walking by me, coughing without covering their mouth, just coughing into the air. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is it? You see? These fucking people. Um, That on top with like so many run-ins with some people. Like the other day was just like the perfect quintessential reason why me and the girlfriend want to move out of this place, move out of the high desert, because everybody here fucking sucks. Let me just take another quick moment to vent. Everybody here fucking sucks. Everyone here fucking sucks. I'm sorry. If you live in the high desert, Victorville, Hesperia, Apple Valley, whatever, you fucking suck. (laughs) But the reason why I say that is because the other day, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, I went to the gym, and that was the only thing that I went to outside of my house. That's the only reason why I left the house was to go to the gym. Both to and from uh, going to the gym, I saw three or four ambulances. And when I say ambulances, I mean like the lights were on. Like the lights were on. They were speeding towards somebody that needed an ambulance. Uh, Three or four cops with the lights on going, woo! Like, you know, going to probably where these ambulances were going to. And then on top of that, I, I'm not going to be hyperbolic and say that I almost got killed, but I almost got hit like two or three times by some idiot who was either going too slow or too fast on any road, on any whatever. They were either going too slow and I almost hit him because they made like a sudden stop or they almost hit me because they were just coming up on my ass because they... They were pressing up against my ass and they were, they were trying to pass me. Twice. On the to and from uh, drive. But that's just not it. You know, that's okay, fine. People don't know how to drive. People don't know how to just act like a fucking human being inside of the gym either. Because back to back, there was a machine that I was done working out on. But, of course, now with COVID, they encourage, strongly encourage, and this is something that I was already planning on doing anyway, even before I signed up for the gym, was to clean down the machine after you're done with it. You know, go to a station, grab the sanitizer, spray down a paper towel, and then wipe down after you're done using it. So I was done with the machine. I walked to the station to grab the cleaning supply and douse a a paper towel with the cleaning solution and then go and wipe it down. When I go back to wipe it down, some fucker is already on it. Now, again, I know I just said I was done with it, but my water bottle was still off to the side of it in clear view. And this dipshit just sat down on it. Didn't even wait. And again, you can see my water bottle, my blender bottle, right there in plain view. And he still chose to just... So, guess what I did? Guess what I did? Oh, you know I did this. Silently and to myself... I throw away the paper towel because I'm like, okay, the fucker's already on it. There's no point to use it. But I went to the machine, and I know that this goes against the whole protocol, COVID protocol of social distancing and keeping your distance. Obviously, I had my mask completely on, covering both my mouth and, and, and nose. But I walk up to the machine. I walk up to where my water bottle is, which is almost right next to him, and I just slowly pick it up. But, of course, I'm like, I make it as saturatedly awkward as possible i walk up to him uh to the to him it's sitting down on the machine and i like bend over slowly to grab my water bottle and he like looks at me and just kind of 
and I I just like have this like expression that I can only try to emulate with my eyes like yeah motherfucker acknowledge me and acknowledge the fact that this water bottle was still here so even though I was still I was done with the machine what if I wasn't what if I walked away in case I had to use the restroom or like I just aforementioned wasn't feeling well and I needed to walk away just in case what if and I wasn't done and this fucker just sat on it thankfully I was done but I came back just to kind of prove that point, hammer that point across, and I bend over slowly to grab my water bottle right next to him and very, very close and uncomfortably. I'm sorry, but some things need to be done, and that was one of them. And that wasn't the first one. The second one was afterwards. I went to a different machine, worked out. I was done with it. I go to the station, to, and I pull out a paper towel. Right when I'm about to get the cleaning solution, some bitch grabs the cleaning solution, looks at me, smiles, and then walks away and sprays a machine down to wipe it down. She already had her own paper towel. She pretty much just jacked the cleaning solution from right in front of me. And I'm like, I'm just there like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this was just 10 minutes after dealing with that other asshole that sat down on the machine with my water bottle next to it. Now. Should I have expected anything differently from Planet Fitness where you can only pay 10 bucks to get into, uh, a month to get into the gym? No. No. I, I should have expected this. Because a chi- I'm sorry, but when it comes to certain places like the high desert, certain uh, commodities that require less payment is obviously going to bring in the least common denominator as far as clientele is concerned. That's why when I go to the movies, I like to go to the IMAX because I know IMAX does require you to pay more. We're talking $30 just for me and my girlfriend. Okay, yeah, it's rather expensive. But guess what? This also means that the people that are getting in there are the people who genuinely want to be in there to watch the fucking movie. So, sadly, it hasn't happened as prevalent as this one occasion happened earlier this week. But I'm telling you right now, if this becomes like a traditional week-to-week thing, then yeah, I'm probably going to go ahead and start looking at different options for a different gym that feels a bit more exclusive, a bit more catered to me, and could weed out this fucking riffraff. Because yes, it makes sense that these people are showing up at a gym that's only $10 a month. It makes sense. Should I have expected differently? No, and that was my mistake, and I own up to it. With that said, that happened this week with work and with everything. It's been a, it's been a week, and I'm kind of ready to be kind of ready for it to be over. And I'm also waiting for Horizon Forbidden West to finally be over as well. <laughs> Yes, I am still playing this fucking game, Horizon Forbidden West. Now, I do have aspirations, <laughs> so to speak, to try to finish it by the end of the weekend. Um, right on time, too, because I believe my copy of Triangle Strategy, the collector's edition, imported from the here, uh, uh, here, uh, I'm not even going to try to make an accent. I was trying to make an accent. But I'm not even going to try it. I don't even have the energy for that. But from London being imported overseas. And it looks like it's uh, it's actually here. So I would probably say a good little timetable I could kind of set for myself. Is to try to beat 
Horizon Forbidden West, I'm it's very doable. It's very, very doable, especially if I could put in some good time later on tonight. But basically, I'm gonna try to beat this fucking game by Sunday, so that hopefully Monday, fresh start, fresh new week, and I'll start Triangle Strategy and I can play a little bit of that. And that'll be the new game to start talking about. You know, that that I'm hoping that this will be my last time talking about Horizon Forbidden West. And maybe next week I will give some final thoughts, but for the time being I want to make this like my last deliberation on Horizon because the reason why I said that the honeymoon phase is potentially over, you know, I was talking about, you know, what was going down before and also for um, my my feelings about Horizon Forbidden West is because I mentioned last week that chinks are starting to show in the armor and now some more problematic angles of the game are starting to rear their head to the point where I'm like I I am at the point where I'm I'm legitimately ready for the game to be over. Now, a lot of the things that I still love about the game are still there. I am now officially about 41 or 42 hours into the game. Generally by this point in that clock, people are done with the game. Like so many people are already done with the game and going on to other things, going on to triangle strategy, of course going back into Elden Ring, etc which I even have some things to talk about regarding that game and its comparison to uh, Horizon, kind of, um, kind of, you know, carrying on over from last week as well. Uh, kind of like a part two, so to speak. But basically, the reason why it's taking so long is because a double-edged sword that the game has going on for it is the side quest structure for both good and bad. The good, which definitely outweighs the bad, but for the good is that like a lot of people have already echoed, the structure and the build of the side quests here in Horizon Forbidden West is definitely much better than its predecessor, than Zero Dawn's was. Because in Zero Dawn, it definitely felt quite fetch questy. It had a lot of characters saying, oh, go get me this, go get me that. And that's not to say that that doesn't happen here. Except the game does a good job of trying to differentiate between the different styles of side quests. So whenever you get a side quest that is formally called a side quest inside of the menu here, inside of the game's um, labeling system, so to speak, it really is a side quest, as in a quest that's going to be kind of lengthy. It could take you a good 15, 20, maybe even 45 minutes, up to an hour, depending on difficulty. And it has an actual built-in narrative to it. You're going to get introduced to some characters that you probably will never come across if you don't do these side quests. Like, you'll never know who these people are. Theoretically, you can go through the entire game, the the main story, the main narrative of the game, without ever knowing about these characters. But, because you do these side quests, they get incorporated into the main narrative. Sometimes they go through the main narrative with other central characters that are part of the main story to be like, hey, so-and-so was asking about you, or so-and-so, and and, and there's actual dialogue that they went out of their way to record and be like, hey, here's this guy or this girl referencing this other person that was completely optional in this game, and that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a level of polish and attention to detail that I have to give commemorative you know, kudos over to Guerrilla Games for nailing that. Now, with that said, the other edge of that sword is that sometimes there's just a little too much side quest to the point that it's very, and I remember somebody mentioning this, I think it was like a small little blip on a graphic that GameSpot put out. You know, ever so often, I, I, I want to say like four or five days after Game, GameSpot publishes reviews for certain games and the, the embargo lifts, then they take pretty much the bullet points, both pros and cons of a game 
and they make a graphic out of it and they share it on social media like Twitter or whatever. That way, and, and of course, they link out to the reviews uh, in case you want to watch them. But they post a graphic saying this is what we liked, this is what we didn't like. And for Horizon, I remember somebody shared it and in the cons section it said that sometimes there's just too much in the game that it's very easy to miss things. At first I thought this was just nitpicking, this was coming up with too many things to... Um, say bad about the game but then most recently in the past five hours of like I said this 40 hour journey I started to then kind of look back at my own personal journey look back through the menu system and be like yeah that whole racing mechanic because there's these races you can do in the game haven't done them so I can't talk about them because I haven't done them because I'm just so busy doing the main story and then doing side quests and then a handful of errands. And that's the thing is that there's still fetch questy stuff here in this game except they're called errands. So they're put into a different menu that's called errands and these are the ones that are more like characters telling you to go get this, go get that, and then come back and build that thing. Ever so often there is one or two errands that are designed around the narrative and don't require fetching a particular item. Sometimes they tell you, hey, you and I are going to go take care of this camp, which is basically a different version of another side activity you can do on the map, but it involves a narrative. It involves a character from the main story to be to, that has an extra few lines of dialogue, so it's a little bit more fleshed out. But on top of that, there's these races, there's the separate camps and the separate outposts you can do to clear out more sections of the map, and then, of course, the tall necks. And this led me to think two things. One, that, yeah, I will give some respects to that con that GameSpot was mentioning about there being too much that's easy to miss some things. There's some uh, things that I've never upgraded. There's some weapons that I received as quest rewards, and I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, but I'm favoring this spike thrower that does some massive damage. I'm never going to use this, and I toss it, or I break it down for parts. And then, moreover, like I said, some of those side activities that are not part of side quests that have narratives like that race. Like I said, i never done those. Uh, there's some relics that I've, and collectibles that I've never done that the game says, hey, you can do this, you know. And I'm like, I, that's just in the back of my mind every time I have a session with this game. And so, I was able to see that. And then I'm also able to see some devil's advocacy in the argument, the major discourse and the major argument that's happening right now on, so to speak, gaming Twitter, which is about what it really means to build a great sandbox within an open world game. Because some people have gone on to be rather hyperbolic and call this a glorified Ubisoft game. Now, there's little facets and details that I can kind of see that working its its way into Horizon Forbidden West. Like I just mentioned, the Tonics. The Tonics are probably the best example of like, yeah, these are kind of like the towers in uh, Far Cry games or certain um, s s uh, sculptures or buildings that you have to scale and then synchronize at the very top in Assassin's Creed games. Here in the game, Eloy needs to override the tonic at the very top, and that opens up more of the area. It's essentially the synchronizing function on a Assassin's Creed game. So I can I can see, like I said, little comparisons that I'm like, yeah, I'm not blind to this. I I, I can see the the um, the influence. I can see a little bit of the DNA being shared. So yeah. I, I can see how some things need to hopefully change by the time we get to the third game. However, in terms of the actual level of craft that's put behind a game like Horizon Forbidden West, uh, it's definitely 
polished. Like I said, the way that the cutscenes, the way the facial animations, and the way that they were able to put attention to detail with some of these side quests to make them worthwhile. Like I said, every time a side quest came up, especially for one that involved a pair of characters that I liked and were introduced early on in the game, I thought I thought to myself, I really hope you guys don't get a side quest. Not because I don't like you. I, in fact, that's why. I, I like you guys enough that this is probably going to be a, 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 um, a fork in the road. You know, it's going to be a diversion that's going to pull me away from the main story. And sure enough, those two characters show up later with more stuff to be like, hey, we need, we need help with this. And I'm like... Fuck! <laughs> I wanted, I want to finish the main story, and yet these characters pop up, and I'm like, I have to do this. I like them. I, I, you know, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but in a way where I'm like, I'm just sinking more and more time, and at this rate, I'm, I'm, you know, getting scared that I'm not going to be able to finish this. As much credit as I'm giving the game, this doesn't necessarily give an excuse to have developers go on social media. And just trash the competitors because of how much recognition is that game is getting. Of course, I am referring, if you guys are gamers, you guys have social media, specifically Twitter. I'm pretty certain that you, by some at some point now, you have heard of the controversy. That has kind of unfolded a little bit earlier this week where three developers, I can't remember the exact numbers or ratio, but three specific developers that work for Guerrilla and for Ubisoft, I don't think they we ever found out what specific games they worked on. A lot of people are are assuming that the one that works for Guerrilla worked on Horizon, whether it be the first one or the second one, especially because of the topic at hand. But basically, these three developers got a little salty. And went on Twitter to bash, they pretty much bashed Elden Ring. They never mentioned the the title Elden Ring. But they one of them started by saying something, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they mentioned about how PC gamers don't, you know, are able to overlook performance issues, but complain about, a, but don't pay attention to the, a complicated uh, UI or quest, and then someone re- replied with like or quest design, huh? And then another one said or this, you know, a lot of trappings that have to do with um, the open world RPG structure of a game. And when they mentioned the the PC performance issues, or they called attention to the specific platform of PC, it's pretty obvious that they're bashing Elden Ring because everybody knows that despite the 10 out of 10 accolades that Elden Ring has been receiving, it did uh, cause a little bit of stir where so many of these reviews came forward, you know, giving it perfect scores. And yet when the game finally came out for commercial audiences on that Friday, the 25th, the PC port was not exactly running very smoothly on an awful lot of rigs. And so few days later these people came forward with this particular tweet conversation and a lot of people screen grabbed shared it like wildfire and yeah it created this whole cacophony on twitter where people were then arguing you know what exactly makes a good open world uh game and pretty much pitting like in a in a in a fight in a dogfight style sort of sort of um analogy just kind of shifting or sicking the development or the construction of Horizon Forbidden West versus that of Elden Ring. And how, you know, Elden Ring does things that are innovative, whereas Horizon is, a again, like I said, some people were slandering, saying it's a glorified Ubisoft game. I can see the arguments for both. I can see how uh, 
Elden Ring could ha be beautiful, but could be having parts of its map that are open. Now, that's upon first impressions. That's upon visual fidelity from what I've seen people stream the game. And I've seen, I'm going to say, I've, you know, a grand total of like 10 or 15 hours worth of watching people play the game. Now, have I played the game? No. I'm going to go ahead and just admit right here. I haven't played the game. Am I interested in playing the game? I actually am. I really, really am, especially in the past couple of days where I've seen some people, um, specifically Shelby over from Girlfriend Reviews, um, th say that there's been times where she doesn't go and hit the bosses. I know that that's a very easy thing to do where the game just dumps you into the world and be like, hey, you can go and do those bosses. You can go and do the final boss, but it's all up to you. And she will have sessions where all she did was either farm or or explore, or just take a look at things, and talk to, you know, certain NPCs, and that's it, she wouldn't do the bosses, and there's a specific boss that was notorious for being incredibly difficult for a lot of people, enough that apparently some kind of survey um, designated that a lot of people rage quit the game at this particular boss, she walked in and killed it on the first try, and that's because she spent so much time farming and leveling up that she was able to just not necessarily breeze through it, she still had to come up with the strategy, but she did it. And gotta be honest, <laughs> not to not to put her in a tier or or in a bracket, but if Shelby from Girlfriend Reviews can kill not just one, but I think she's already done like two or three bosses, um, very smoothly in Elden Ring at her own pace, at her own convenience and her own playstyle, I feel like I can too. That like it's motivating to to see that kind of unfold. Um, so. Am I ruling out Elden Ring as a potential game of the year contender for me or a game that I would like to play at some point here in, in this year? Then for sure, especially as I'm about to talk about in a segment here uh, referencing delays and certain games being shifted around throughout the year. It's looking like there's a good you know, section of the year here during the summertime that's looking pretty vacant and it's looking pretty uh, spicy to finally pull the trigger on Elden Ring and, and see what that's all about. For the time being, though, I'm still, like I said, trying to wrap up my time with Horizon Forbidden West. Um, hopefully afterwards, Dying Light 2, uh, uh, Pokemon Legends Ar Arceus, maybe by that time, C the physical version of Sifu will be out, etc., etc., Triangle Strategy. So much to play. So much to play, and then so little time, especially with, like again, how I mentioned before, uh, work is getting and all those things. So we'll, we'll see how things kind of go down here, but... Again, my final messaging and my final kind of thoughts, because this is getting exhausting to, to really talk about here, because more and more I am still seeing people even create memes. <laughs> I, one meme, I will admit, was pretty funny. Well, somebody said, uh, you know, quoted that Ubisoft employee. Again, I can't remember who was who. Uh, one thing's for sure, I don't think any of them work at those respective companies, because if I wasn't... You know, if I was uh, some kind of uh, higher up over there at those companies, I would I would have probably by now have seen those tweets, and those people would be packing their boxes. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, but it's all about the optics. It's all about the business, and I'm pretty certain that that's what happened. I would definitely look at it from a much more sympathetic angle, and of course, it's a case by case basis, depending on how well these workers are or whatever. But knowing the way things operate, how the cogs spin. I doubt those people work there. <laughs> but I remember one meme on Twitter quoted the Ubisoft employing saying, you know, uh you know, you you know, gamers don't care about UX and then underneath it says, meanwhile Ubisoft with their UX 
and it's a screenshot of like one of the Assassin's Creed games. I can't remember which one it is, but it's basically the map with like a shit ton of iconography all over the map that the legend doesn't even cover what each symbol means. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, did I have what happened to my brain that suppressed how cluttered a a map on a on an Assassin's Creed game can really really get? I'm like, yeah, that that shit could get bad. So. Yeah, it is a good discussion. You know, I'm not going to forego the possibility of having a genuine, uh, an adult conversation on social media, specifically on Twitter, because I feel like out of all the platforms, this is the one where this kind of discussion, this kind of topic really thrives. But, you know, the one thing that I really want to start seeing less and less of before I start fucking muting some people is legitimately bashing one game over the other, especially when you haven't really played the game. And even if you have played both games, you know, you don't have to put one other just so that you can build the other one up on a pedestal. Let's just say that there's another streamer, or at least a a, a, a particular uh, gamer slash content creator that's part of a duo, uh, duo, part of a couple, if you will, that I was watching on stream play Elden Ring, and... He was playing, he was praising the game, he was having a great time, and I was like vibing with the stream for the most part. And then at some point, he legitimately started to talk shit about Horizon. Like, it's one thing to compare it to Horizon and be like, here's where maybe Horizon can improve, or where Horizon Forbidden West differentiates, but no, he was he was putting it down, you know, saying things, saying words like trash, and saying that it's bad, and objectively i how can someone say that horizon is trash or bad come on like we really are taking it to that level really and after a while i had to I like x out out of the stream and i'm like i was expecting better from you dude i really like you but i'm really hoping that going forward um you know you can at least listen to a, a little better reasoning or at least a, have a better argument and who knows you know Elden Ring I think I remember the creator or at least some people over at uh, from software the higher ups from software said that they are looking at Elden Ring as a model for how to structure future from software games here's the hoping that maybe other developers will start structuring games uh, in a way that can be as innovative as Elden Ring. Now, does it have to mimic Elden Ring? No. Because as much as I'm loving Forbidden West, there's things about that game that are very inequivocally modeling themselves after other games. Especially as soon as we, not only with as I played the game, but when we saw previews of the game showing uh, Eloy gliding with that you know holographic glider and we're like, Breath of the Wild. Here we go. More comparisons to, to to the Breath of the Wild because like that's the end all be all of open world games, which was definitely brought up on this discussion on Twitter. Breath of the Wild was just being brought up, and the one thing also that I'm also that's another camp that I sit in is let's stop pretending that Breath of the Wild was the the pioneer of open world. Did it do some great innovative things? Yes, but it's also some things that. If they're not for someone, then they're not for them. You know, that doesn't make them wrong. I, for one, did have my moments where I wish, you know, the horses would be able to last a little bit better or some resources could last a little bit better inside of Breath of the Wild when I was playing it. And maybe some better things could populate the world because when some people were praising Breath of the Wild for having that quiet, serene atmosphere of just, you know, running across landscape, 
there were times where I was like, shit, you know, this fast travel thing needs to work a little bit more. Um, it needs to be a, a little bit more expansive. Like, th th that's how I was feeling. But that's just out of preference. I know that I'm not wrong, but just as much as I realize that I'm not right and the others are not right. And it's great conversation to have on Twitter and provide some great insight for developers. But let's not cannibalize each other because once we see each other doing this, you know who's really making the money? Activision <laughs> or Ubisoft. If you guys want change as really sappy and as cheesy as it's going to sound, then we got to either be the change or show the change. Now, I did block out a good chunk of this section of the podcast or this particular episode to talk about Sony's PlayStation's state of play that they had rumored for this week until it actually became a reality just a couple of days uh, prior. So I was like, oh, shit. State of play, March 9th at 2 p.m. It was perfect, too, because uh, that was around my time that my lunch was going to take into effect. Uh, you know, I just finished with my meetings. I'm like, this is perfect timing. I'll be able to watch it. And then I thought to myself, okay, do I want to, like, record my reaction? But at the same time, they did mention the day before it was only going to be 20 minutes. However, they were going to put a heavy emphasis on Japanese developers. And the fact that the play, the uh, Final Fantasy 35th anniversary website went live the night before, oh yeah, we're we're, we're gonna see we're we're gonna see Final Fantasy 16, um maybe like just a update maybe on Final Fantasy 7 remake part two. They're not gonna actually show anything, but they're gonna like maybe talk about it in passing or just gonna give out a little blurb just to say something. I don't know. But Japanese developers, some people were trying to manifest different things on social media, but of course I over here thought to myself, 20 minutes, guys. 20 minutes. There's really not a whole lot that they can really, really break down in about 20 minutes. Let's be realistically, okay? And then I felt a little more secure about not wanting to record my reaction because I'm pretty certain they're not going to show anything Spider-Man related, Wolverine, yeah, nah, not even God of War Ragnarok. I'm like, they're not going to show anything. Well, it ended up being worse than I imagined. <laughs> oh my God, that was, I, I try my best to not resort to very myopic um, descriptions of things that a lot of people like to use these days, like trash or mid or anything like that but damn this state of play was almost non-essential frankly because it opens with a trailer that legitimately made me go whoa hold up hold up is this Dino? Are we really gonna do Dino Crisis? Is this it? Is this what Capcom's gonna be dropping here for twenty late twenty twenty two, maybe early twenty twenty three? And a lot of things were kind of hinting at a potential D Dino Crisis remake. I was like, oh shit! It it couldn't have been the biggest cock tease that could have ever. It was. I would be insulted if I was even a bigger Dino Crisis fan who played the original. Because I'll admit right now, I never played the original. So I'm not going to pretend to be one of those fans. I I'm not. But I just know enough about it. that. And Capcom, with the Resident Evil 2 remake, I would say has kind of... And especially with uh, Biohazard, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, and Village. 
I'm like, you know what? There could be some quality here before be, behind some kind of remake. And of course, with the with the long rumored Resident Evil 4 remake, which was try rumored for the state of play and spoilers it was not at the state of play like oh my god but it gets even worse you see a woman who very closely resembles the main character of dino crisis i can't remember her name but i remember seeing plenty of footage of the original game through videos and and let's plays and then of course the cover art from the n64 i like i remember how she looks and she's got the red hair and stuff so when i saw that character i was like whoa are they are they actually gonna do it to me, as soon as I saw some of those mech suits, my I was like, oh no. And then it got even worse. When I saw all of those dinosaurs, those little mini velociraptor dinosaurs, but like hundreds, possibly even thousands of them, falling from the sky, I like I immediately lost hope. Immediately. Because I was like, this is some live service bullshit, isn't it? Because there's that 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 could be the only explanation behind mech suits going up against thousands of enemies on screen at once. Whenever you see like the same enemy hundreds of times on screen, the emphasis here is to get you to upgrade your stuff so you can take on more and huddle up with other players via co-op and have that live service thing to be like, oh yeah, guys, are we are we where are we dropping today, boys? You know, are we are we doing this tonight? And then have a bunch of streamers on Twitch saying, hey guys, today we're playing a um, sponsored ad. I mean, a sponsored stream for this thing right here. Command ad will bring up the game if you guys want to buy it on Steam. Because that's that's how these games perform. There's a particular streamer who I like. But I'm not going to lie, this streamer plays an awful lot of those types of games, those live service co-op games, and every time that she's played one, there's always that hashtag ad or command ad on the stream, or hashtag sponsor stream on her thing, and I'm like, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, you're one of the go-tos for that. And so, you know, I respect the hustle, but those are not my type of games. And when I saw that for this game, I was like, yeah, this ain't Dino Crisis. <laughs> and sure enough, at the end, Exoprimal is the name. Slated for an early 2023 release. And sure enough, being marked up as a cooperative shooter game. And I'm like, you know, killing dinosaurs. And then there is a T-Rex there, but I mean, come on. Like, Wow. I would be insulted. If I was an even bigger fan of Dino Crisis who played the original, I would be in, damn near offended. And I will give some uh, some respects to someone at, like Maximilian Dude who's able to look at the positive side of things and be able to bring up, you know, arguments for things that could be cool, could be fun, and things like that. I couldn't really bring myself to be on that page as much as he was. But he did make one interesting little note that I was like, okay, I can kind of see this. Which is that this could have been Dino Crisis Remake. And then after a while, they started adding so much. He mentioned this on his stream and on his videos. That maybe it, they added so much that it became its own thing. Kind of like how Resident Evil 4, the early concepts of Resident Evil 4 turned into Devil May Cry. And then plenty of other stories of that happening. This sounds like, uh, especially with that woman with the red hair, I'm like, and this coming from Capcom, I'm like, there's no way. There is no way that this was not Dino Crisis at some point, and they abandoned the idea. So in turn, my next question would be, are we ever going to have a Dino Crisis remake? Because i got to be honest, the fact that this is coming out, 
Could be one of two things. Either a test to see if people are down for dinosaur killing games. Or the second thing, we're not getting Dinosaur Crisis Remake. Like, th- this was it. This was it. And this coming out officially means that that thing is dead. Like, this is what it was, and Capcom decided to go for the money. They decided to go for the money. So have to see if that is, in fact, the case. Only time will tell. For now, I'll just say that with this being the opener, I started to actually get worried about the state of play. And as soon as it ended, I was like, wow. Wow, that um, that was damn near a waste of time, to be quite honest. And what, in what also kind of just you know correlated with that was also seeing again a streamer that I like to watch, Jeremy, aka the Gamer Twenty Three Twenty Three. He went live to cover this. <laughs> he went live to cover this state of play, and as soon as it ended, all he said was, "Yeah, Xbox One," and he ended the stream. <laughs> In like five seconds, he did that. He just said, Xbox One ends the stream. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I can't argue. I, yeah, I'm not, I, you know, not going to be like, oh, yeah, Xbox One this generation. But at the same time, I'm like, in terms of like the sentiment, in terms of like the feeling, you know, the mutual feeling kind of being there, it, it really is. Because I was like, damn, what was the point of this state of play? Not even the narrator, the, the woman who hosted, sounded... It, she didn't even sound all that excited about it. Is it just me or did she not? And that's the thing is like one after another, there were a lot of games that didn't inherently didn't look bad. I just didn't really have anything in me to care. Like the Valkyra Chronicle game, I think it's called, or Valkyra something. Like a lot of people got hyped for that game. And I'm like, I never heard of this property. Although I find it strange that the font looks an awful lot of fi- like Final Fantasy. And that's the thing is like an awful lot of these games are coming from Square Enix and Capcom. Like those were the predominant developers amongst the others. But Square Enix is the one that's really delivering. With that said, did was I like moved to be hyped for the, the some of these games? Not not really, no. And I saw some people Twitter on Twitter being like Valkyra Chronicle. Oh my God, it's coming to the West! And I'm like, there it is. These are the same people who got. And I'm not knocking it. And I'm not saying if you're one of these people, more power to you. You know, be happy. I'm not knocking it. Like if you guys are happy about this, awesome. But so far, the consensus or the vibe that I'm getting is that everybody who was hyped about some of these reveals at the state of play for this specific state of play centered around Japanese developers are the people who were excited when they, when Nintendo, during their Direct, announced that Live Alive is coming to the West because it was a Jap- Japan-only property and it's finally coming over here. And I'm like, there it is. That's the demographic, that's the audience that we're getting hyped for some of these releases. And they were, you know, showing their appreciation and their defense on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, more power to you. But to me, this was just vacant. This was vacant to me amongst a couple of other things. I will say that the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting game has a very interesting fighting style uh, and art style to it. So that was kind of appealing. But I'm not about that property that way. So I I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a day one. And then, of course, the big elephant in the room, nothing about Final Fantasy at all. Nothing. Not even 16, which now, you know, it makes me think about what another thing that Maximilian Dude said, which is that it's possible that that game is in development hell of its own. And we're not really going to see it this year. I'm legitimately now starting to think we're going to see it in 2023. 
uh, which would make an awful lot of sense. I, I would say that, you know, with what they're trying to juggle over there, Square Enix as both a developer and as a publisher, it, it, it kind of makes sense. Overall, though, this state of play could have done without it. And if they were going to have to do one for March, they should have added a little bit more substance. It, it, they, If anything, they probably shouldn't have made it just Japanese developer-centric. They probably should have expanded to also include some stuff from the West. And maybe we could have had an inkling on God of War Ragnarok. Uh, they did show a little bit more of Forspoken to kind of correlate, or coincide rather, with the announcement recently that they had to delay the game to October, which I'll tackle in a segment afterwards here. But along with that delay and the new art style, they also showed a little bit more gameplay. Again, the gameplay doesn't look all that bad, but at the same time, it's, it's funny because I've, I was seeing the gameplay and I would have been a bit more hyped for it if I wasn't already playing Horizon with that same kind of camera style and traversal and like, I don't know, like maybe it'll feel different actually playing it, but in terms of how it looks, it's like, yeah, it's reminding me an awful lot of Horizon. It's actually making me just want to go play Horizon right now, which, you know, I guess kind of also ties back to the argument that people are having right now about open world games. So outside of what was shown, I damn near forgot about the state of play almost immediately. And... I'm hoping that maybe we'll have something a little bit better in store come E3 time. Because come E3 time in June, whether there's a E3 presentation, digital only or not, they're, they're going to have to come out swinging. And I'm not just talking to Sony. I'm talking to Xbox too. All right. Outside of indie showcases and things like that, it's all about the games, guys. And you got to start showing some stuff. Delays, delays, and many more delays. It looks like a crap ton of stuff is getting delayed, guys. And, I mean, come to be expected. You know, COVID is technically still happening. Officially, there is still a pandemic. You know, CDC hasn't exactly ruled out despite their leniences uh, on the mask mandates and things like that. Like, more and more people are starting to do without the mask. I'm going to the gym and then half the people in there are not wearing a mask, even though the sign on the door says, wear a mask. I don't know, but I'm just saying that, you know, we're starting to learn how to adapt to the pandemic. But nevertheless, some protocols, depending on where you live, are still active, depending on the country. And because of that, certain development teams and certain aspects about the video game industry, even the movie industry, are facing these kinds of delays. When it comes to movies, I, I know that a shit ton of DC movies, it's it's ironic and, and funny because I even turned to my girlfriend when I found this out that I, I turned to her and I told her, like, hey, remember that trailer that we were shown before we actually saw the Batman, before we went to go see the Batman? There was virtually no trailers because it was a sneak preview IMAX showing. However, there was this one trailer that was likely paid for by WB and DC um, that was a pretty much a trailer that also that was posted online about a week prior that went kind of viral, semi-viral, where it was like DC, like the world needs heroes. It's called the world needs heroes or something like that, and it was basically DC flexing how many movies they had had coming out this year. And among them was, of course, the Batman, which was about to be released within a week or so. But then further on, they showed footage of Black Adam, 
Shazam, Wrath of the Gods, and The Flash, as well as Aquaman. I actually, I take it back on Shazam. I don't think, I don't know if they showed anything from Shazam related, but I de definitely showed Black Adam, um, Flash, and, Ra um, I'm sorry, Aquaman, uh, and The Lost Kingdom, I believe it's called, the Aquaman sequel. And so there was footage amongst all those movies, and so it was kind of like sneak preview as to what's coming later on in 2022, as the trailer then ends with it saying, in 2022. Well, I turned to her and I told her, yeah, remember when that trailer dropped and they showed that, they showed that before the Batman to kind of flex on us to be like, you know, all this stuff coming in 2022? Yeah, about that. About that. <laughs> Didn't exactly age over well because not too long ago or earlier this week, WB and DC have completely shifted around their schedule to the point where I think now we only got... Two live-action WB and DC movies coming on 2022 as opposed to the previous five, and one animated one. So Warner Brothers, and this is a quote from the article over at IGN, Warner Brothers moving around the dates for several of its biggest DC movies this year. Among the biggest changes are delays for both Aquaman 2 and The Flash into 2023. While Black Adam starring Dwayne Johnson has also been pushed back, it will still be released this year. Furthermore, the Shazam sequel, this is the ironic part, the Shazam sequel has been pushed forward and will premiere in 2022 as well. It was originally going to be coming out in the summer. It got pushed. So here's the complete breakdown. Aquaman 2 has been delayed from December 2022. So it was going to kind of sort of mimic its release back in 2018 with the original movie. It came out around Christmas time 2018. It was supposed to come out December 2022 and now it has been delayed three months to March 17th, 2023. So not, it sounds worse than it actually is because when people say oh it got delayed into 2023 but march eh, only about three months but then black adam has been pushed back from july to october that one's a little heftier so it's still technically this year but we're practically changing up seasons we're going from a very prime spot in the summer of 2022 to now like the fall of 2022 uh in fact halloween season i believe that this year is when the third and i guess last of this culminating halloween trilogy is set to come out in october of 2022 so it's going up it's going to be going up against that one but it is black adam it is D but then it then again it is dc and i know that dc doesn't necessarily have the same kind of weight as marvel when it comes to like a shared universe so we'll see plus i, I i'm only saying this because i'm kind of amongst that camp I am starting to feel a little bit of fatigue with Dwayne Johnson. It is interesting to see that he is uh, in a comic book movie and he's playing Black Adam. He definitely fits the role as far as, you know, what Black Adam is meant to be from the comics. But at the same time, I'm also very grateful that he's not wearing the same tan shirt. <laughs> like he's done in so many movies that just kind of blended it in together. So... Yeah, we'll see how that goes down, but it's technically still coming out this year, so we'll be looking forward to that. One movie that I was definitely looking forward to because of what it's, what kind of uh, purpose it's supposed to have with the overall DCEU is now going to be, it, we're now going to have to wait a little longer for, like quite heavily longer. This is the uh, one of the bigger ones, actually. The Flash is moving from November 2022 to June 23rd, 2023. That's over. A half of a year that's seven months that's from november to june flat out seven months with that said it's a little 
I don't know. Like, it's a little bit more appropriate to have a movie of this caliber, especially one that's going to be featuring not only one Flash, but several Flashes and even several Batmans, uh, which, will I will admit, feels a little uh, crowded as far as, you know, what's going down and also a little saturated as far as, like, the Batman mythos because we just had the Batman with Rob Pattinson, but now we're going to have... Uh, the Flash, which is going to pretty much do the Flashpoint storyline of incorporating Michael Keaton's Batman, Ben Affleck's Batman, who knows who else might pop up, and I don't know what DC's plan here is. The rumored plan is supposedly going to be the hard reset button for the entire DCEU and what it's meant to do. Um, but it is, I don't want to say optimistic, but it feels a little more right, if that makes sense, for a movie of this caliber to actually be delivered during the summer movie season. Like, you, you expect this movie to come out during the summer, so seeing it go from a fall release to a summer release, it's like, okay, you know, that, that feels more true to form, a little bit more traditional. Then we have DC League of Super Pets. So this is the animated movie that I was talking about. Now... Uh, ironically, Dwayne Johnson is also in this one, except he's voicing Superman's pet dog, Crypto. Don't know how I feel about that. But that got pushed back, but only by a couple of months from May to J July 29th, 2022. It's pretty much taken up what the, the area or the slot or the window that Black Adam originally had. So that got pushed. And then outside, actually one more uh, DC movie here, Shazam! Fury of the Gods has been moved up. That was originally going to be coming out in the middle of 2023, but now it looks like things are going swimmingly with that schedule. Then now the movie is coming out on December 16th, 2022. So this is pretty much swapping, almost swapping spots with Aquaman. So now that's going to be coming out in Christmas time. So at least we got something to wrap the year up with in the form of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I like the first movie. I'm looking forward to the second one. So we'll see how that kind of goes down now outside of D the dc pantheon of movies we got two other warner brothers related films wonka the prequel to charlie and the chocolate factory starring timothy chalamet has been pushed from march to december 2023 now even though that's technically the same year that's almost a full year that's like nine months so um that's a hefty push and then, in case you guys didn't know, I did know, but I guess in a matter of speaking, I got kind of re-reminded here. There's going to be a sequel to The Meg, Meg 2, with Jason, Jason, Jason Statham coming back to kick the shark's ass. That was terrible. But will premiere on August 4th, uh, 2023. I think it was supposed to come out sometime this year, but that got pushed, so we shall see. Or maybe that's like a new set release time for their upcoming slide. Anyways... That's the movie side of things as far as delays. Um, and it's a bummer because there were some hef heavy hitters here amongst the DC side of things. You know, that would would have given some really strong competition over to Marvel. But now we have to wait until next year. I would say out of all of them, the one that I was admittedly looking forward to was The Flash. So that's coming out. So now <laughs> Multiverse of Madness over there at Marvel has the upper hand as far as dealing with some kind of multiverse where a bunch of characters could jump in and fluctuate and kind of give us a new corner of the universe that we weren't expecting before uh, as far as the Marvel side as well as also a couple of other things coming from Disney Plus and more on the movie side with Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, etc, etc. So we'll see we'll see how things do and here's the, here's the thing who's to say that marvel themselves won't do some kind of fluctuation coming up in the future because they've done it in the past as well so they're not there's they're no stranger to that as well now on the video game side of things one game that was very very heavily rumored to get delayed 
has finally made it official. For Spoken has been delayed by almost five months. So the mo- the game has been delayed from May 25th, which was kind of closing closing up. You know, I'm not gonna say it was right around the corner, but it was kind of starting to steadily be- pick its head around the horizon. But before it could even be courageous enough to go gold with whatever potential issues it may have had, uh, developer Luminous Productions, under the publishing of Square Enix, has delayed the game to October 11th. Along with that, I also noticed that they revamped the artwork. So I feel like that was also kind of... When I noticed that they changed up the artwork, I was like, I think they're delaying it. You know, there's something about it. it, You know, I I know that people have already been rumoring it. But now I think this is kind of making it official. official, And then finally, uh, I believe it was on Monday morning, I woke up and there was the article saying, Forspoken has been delayed. So frankly... Unless I'm completely overlooking something, or maybe they announce something later on with an official uh, month and date. As of right now, there's really nothing, as far as my personal radar, there's nothing really coming out in May. Because that was originally the game for May for me that was on my radar. It wasn't necessarily a day one, because I wasn't 100% sold on the game. It looked interesting, it looked uh, fluid enough to be like, okay, you know, this could be something. But I wasn't like... Day one there, like I was with uh, Horizon 2, or how I'm potentially going to be with God of War Ragnarok, or, of course, Spider-Man, which doesn't come out until next year, I I know that. Um, But it was, you know, in my levels of interest, enough to, you know, be added to my save for later on my Best Buy wish list. But now it looks like it's going to have to wait just a little longer, which means May has just completely opened up. There's literally nothing coming out in May. Um, you could even argue that nothing's coming out in April except the Skywalker Saga. But uh, frankly, I only pre-ordered that because it comes with a nice little steelbook that has the Lego Han Solo in, in Carbonite. <laughs> That's primarily it. So April and May are looking a little vacant. But I'm not saying that as a legitimate complaint. I'm saying that as in like, okay, cool. This is the opportunity to not only catch up on some games that came out this year, such as Pokemon Legends Arceus, as well as Dying Light 2, maybe Sifu when that physical edition comes out in May. Actually, I I think I should probably uh, retract my statement saying that technically in May I have Sifu. I know Sifu is already out for a lot of people digitally and people have already played it, but I'm waiting for that physical edition to drop and that's not going to be until May 3rd. So I guess technically I have Sifu waiting for me in May. Um, but as far as like brand new day one releases, uh, there's nothing else. So it's a perfect opportunity to catch up on my backlog. By then, it's possible that my my unit of the Steam Deck might finally roll around. So we'll be able to explore that. So, you know, things are looking a little bit more, more flexible amongst that um, particular delay. Now, when it comes to some not... Speaking of the Steam Deck, actually... It is uh, sadly being reported that some people are getting their Steam Deck units delayed. I got an article here from IGN. Valve clarifies Steam Deck pre-order status as fans report order availability changes. So here's a... It's funny because IGN posts an update first at the top. So the original article has to be like looked for towards the end here. But I'm going to quote a little bit of the original passage and then the update. 
In the wake of Steam Deck's release last week, which was February 25th, so I know that's already been a, a little while since this was posted, many fans are waiting anxiously for the email giving them the green light to order a unit of their own. Meanwhile, some further down the line are reporting what appears to be a longer wait for Valve's new handheld unit. Over on the Steam Deck subreddit, some users are reporting that their order availability has been pushed from Q3 to after Q3 2022, leaving it kind of like ambiguous. Other reports that are previously nebulous after Q2 2022 is now a firmer Q3, while some say that they went from after Q2 to after Q3. It seems that some customers are getting pushed back as other users further ahead of them are locked into a release window, uh, which I can understand being quite infuriating. Now, as of I record this podcast, like right before this podcast, just to kind of give me some clarity, I did go on the Steam Deck page to check on my personal reservation, and mine has not changed whatsoever since I reserved it literally back in July, which is Q2 2022. It doesn't say after, um, doesn't say Q3, it literally just says Q2, so I'm under the impression that starting in April, they're going to start cranking that out. So now I'm going to jump to the top of the article and read the update. Valve clarifies the Steam Deck's order availability in an email to IGN saying that users aren't seeing delays but further specification of when after Q2 means. Some users are now reporting a firmer Q3 window while others say that they will have until after Q3 after previously being in an after Q2 spot. And this is now a quote from Valve themselves that they sent over to IGN. Reservation holders have always remained in a queue based on what they reserved. Now we are able to relay these more specific estimates for the rest of the queue. Those receiving after Q3 are seeing the specification to where the spot is in line in line was already. Valve continues to roll out the Steam Deck, with which began shipping on February 28th. Some users in the first wave releases are still waiting the email that will allow them to order a unit, which makes sense because I do remember that they're pretty much doing it on Mondays. <laughs> they're giving us a reason to look forward to Mondays. And so far, I think I remember seeing a post from Valve on their official blog saying that pretty much every Monday of March, they're going to be sending out more and more emails for people that are in Q1, specifically Q1. So they said that they sent some emails out in uh, on the 7th. They're going to be, I mean, I'm sorry, no, was it the 7th? Yeah, it was the 7th. They, on the 7th, they're going to be sending out more on the 14th and then more on the 25th. First, and then I think even the last what they're hoping to be the last batch for Q1 on the 28th. That way, starting in April, or I'm imagining the first uh, Monday of April, they're gonna start sending out emails for people who are in Q2, i.e., me. So I got until that first Monday of April to have a good, you know, 650 lingering around somewhere, whether it be credit in one of my credit cards or straight out cash in my debit card. That way, I could just pay it off and be like, hey. Send me my unit. I'm ready to start playing. So uh, we'll see how that transpires, but hopefully more clarity for those who are still kind of in the midst of things. And then our last delay is one that is not being really favored by almost anybody. And it's also one of the more nebulous ones, to use a very fancy term here, by the Halo Infinite community. So Season 2 of Halo's Infinite Multiplayer, and this is another article from IGN, uh, is arriving this May, but two beloved Halo modes could still be a ways off. Halo developer 343 Industries previously said campaign co-op and the Forge mode wouldn't arrive until May 2022 at the earliest, but now the Halo community is dealing with the confirmation that campaign co-op and Forge won't be there when Season 2 drops. 
titled Lone Wolves, Season 2 is bringing two new maps, new modes, the return of the King of the Hill, and more cosmetics to Halo Infinite. After 343's recent announcements that campaign co-op wouldn't be arriving with launch Season 2, Halo Infinite players look to social media to share their opinions on the news. So essentially, the fact that it's not being connected or linked over with the drop of that Season 2 have people to believe that they have quietly delayed co-op again. Again, like beyond the original release from back in December, they're pushing it out even further, which makes me even more happy that I just I pulled the trigger and played the camp. Because frankly, I was originally think going back and forth as to whether or not I wanted to wait for my buddy Greg, aka Service Assassin over on Twitch, to want to do a co-op run of Halo Infinite. Um, because we played uh, co-op for Reach and for ODST, and I had fun. I had genuine fun. I was streaming it, but I was having fun. And I th- thought to myself, okay, even outside of streaming, because of the open-world nature of campaign of uh, Infinite's campaign, I thought to myself, could this be something that him and I can work into a co-op and make it fun, even for his stream? Looks like it was probably a good call to just. Um, jump the gun and play the campaign by myself because now even co-op is facing a further delay Uh, the reactions are largely negative going back to the article here with many fans saying they lost hope for Halo Infinite's future due to the lack of traditional Halo features the lengthy season duration and the numerous battle pass issues so it looks like much to my honeymoon phase being over with uh, Horizon Forbidden West a lot of people's honeymoon face with Halo Infinite is starting to uh, deplete. Now, I I personally feel like I still need to emphasize that the campaign uh, the campaign for the game is still solid. Uh, it's not the best. It does have its archetypal kind of trappings as far as that whole open world nature, um, which has now been brought into question with the argument about what open world really means because of Elden Ring that we've already talked about. But it's still a solid game. It's still a solid game, still a solid entry in the Halo franchise. But there's definitely things here where, uh, to quote uh, Mike from Breaking Bad, no half measures. And it looks like maybe some half measures were taken with Halo Infinite still. So it looked like they were able to put up enough to save face during its initial release. And, and But now... An awful lot of those reviews where that were putting it at like nine out of tens and you know one of the best of the year, um, is being put into question. Even my affirmation, uh, even my take on Halo Infinite, I'm I'm personally kind of putting into question now, knowing how much they are still yet to kind of rectify and bring forth as far as traditional features, and. I think the question is now starting to resurface again. A question that has been there from the beginning. And now I think a lot of people are starting to pose again. Should the game have been delayed again? Like the initial release. Now I'm not talking about um, the the co-op mode specifically or whatever. No, I'm talking about the entire game again. Should it have been released from December? And it should it have come out maybe April or May 2022? Pushed on even further past its holiday release. I'm starting to think that maybe it should have. And you know what, guys, I think I'm going to go ahead and call it there. Like I said, it's been a long week, and, you know, generally I have the energy to be able to go for much of these longer episodes, especially recently. Like I said, Season 3 has had a bunch of episodes that have been over like an hour and a half. I think I'm going to cut this one short. I did have a couple of other stories that are 
you know, kind of kind of interesting. But like I said, as far as like energy, I kind of want to get this podcast to kind of up there and out of the way, just so you guys know that there was an episode coming this week. I didn't want to go a week without posting, especially after hitting the milestone from last week. Um, but I'll definitely try to schedule out and and really really do a better job of trying to nail down a much more timely episode next week uh and then the week after that hopefully especially now with a much more consistent uh lifestyle or work ethic as far as you know how i'm tackling work right now working from home working this this job and just you know kind of wrapping my head around things especially since more and more info is being dumped over there and then trying to balance that with the podcast with the youtube videos for the new channel that is Still taking off and doing remarkably well, especially because of that one video. We've passed 700 subscribers. Community tab is now finally enabled. And at the rate that we're going, you know, I don't want to jinx it, but sometime next week, we'll hit that 1,000. Apply for partnerships. See where that goes. Uh, For now, though, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and still hold on to some of those stories. I know that they're going to be a little old hat by then, but... I have some thoughts, especially from reading some of the headlines. I have some thoughts on some of these things uh, that have to do with gaming uh, shows and then g- gaming shows or shows based on games. And that should be quite uh, quite a good tease for some material that I'll go ahead and punt over to next week, along with some further developments that could be unfolding next week in the gaming and movie industry. And I'm hoping to talk with you guys more about then. But in the meantime, if you guys haven't already done so, check out the social media platforms. Add me on Instagram, on Twitter, at DarkSpiderDavid, or you guys can find the links in the description or whatever platform of your choosing that you're listening to this podcast on. And then most definitely check out my website, DarkSpiderDavid.com, or the YouTube channel, which I've yet to figure out a way to change that URL. I got, really got to change that URL. It, it's, it's really bugging me because it's, it's got that long jumbled up URL. So I have you to customize one. But for now, just go on YouTube, search up Dark Spider David. And the main channel right now that I'm putting all my fo- focus on is on the one that's got about 700 or so-ish subscribers at the time of this recording. And that's the one that I'm really trying to polish and take off. However, if you guys are just podcast listeners and this is where you wanted to stay at, then you guys know the drill. Stay humble, and I'll see you guys next week.